Hey, good morning, Heartland. How are we doing today? Good. Good to be with you. I got to tell you, one thing that brings me joy is having Craig back. I don't know if you realize that it is so cool that we get as a church that we make it possible for our leaders. Craig, after 46 years of ministry, the guy finally got some time off, okay? So great for him. Great to have him back. Absolutely. Um, so it is good to be with you. Like Craig said, we are continuing this series called It Brings Me Joy. And where we are talking about one of the values that we have as a church. If you're newer to Heartland, we know there's probably several of you out there. You're learning about who Heartland is. You're watching online. One of the things you got to know is that we have this value that we take Jesus seriously, including his joy. So we make a really big deal of Jesus and we really make a big deal of his joy because Jesus was probably the most joyful person who ever lived. And joy, not to be confused with happiness, we know that distinction. Joy is this deeper, kind of more deeply rooted, pleasant, profound emotion of our soul that can't be thwarted by the circumstances that we face. That this joy that characterizes Jesus is also something that he says can be true of your life and mine too. And while there may be many, many different things that bring us joy, all good things, things that, that elevate the joy in our life, Jesus shows us that there's one thing in particular, one thing that we probably don't even think of as a joy-activating thing, but Jesus shows us that this one thing actually has the power to activate joy, to flip the switch of joy in our life. And it's when we give ourselves away in love for the sake of others. That when we give ourselves away for, in love for the sake of others, it actually activates joy. And we took this last week as we looked at how uh, Jesus gave himself in love for others from a verse in Hebrews. We started the series last week. Dan kicked off it um, looking at this verse that for the joy set before him, Jesus, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That Jesus gave up everything about who he was, and he didn't do so in resentment, he didn't do so in anger, he didn't do so out of guilt, or to, to hold it over our heads one day down the road, that he did so simply because of joy, for the joy of what he was giving it up for, which was you and me. And so the big idea as we go through this series is, is really this, that, that when we give ourselves up for the sake of others, it's never a letdown. This is where we're kind of marching for the next several weeks. Giving ourselves up for the sake of others is never a letdown. In, in fact, it's just the exact opposite, that when we give ourselves up for the sake of others, it actually brings God joy, and it can bring us joy too. And so now for the next several weeks of the series, we're going to take that kind of principle, that big idea, and we're going to start to flesh it out in some of the different areas of our lives, places in our lives where we can give ourselves away for the sake of others. And this one, I'm going to be honest, this may not be the easiest series for us to go through, but we need to be challenged in some of these areas because this is something that when we, when we take Jesus up on this, we can actually experience greater levels of joy. And so today, here's, here's the thing that we're going to be talking about giving up, and it's giving up being first, okay? That we're giving up being first, and when we do so, there's joy on the horizon. And, and I was thinking about this. I don't do a lot of flying. Maybe some of you do, but when I do, I fly Southwest. Any other frequent Southwesters out there? There you go. Right. And the, the reason is because I like cheap, mostly dependable, you know, airlines that, you know, give me free, free baggage and all of that. And so I, I fly Southwest. And if you ever have ever flown Southwest, you may know that Southwest doesn't give you an assigned seat. If you don't fly Southwest, this may be why you don't fly Southwest is because you know that they don't give you an assigned seat. Instead, when you buy your ticket and when you check in that day, you're given a number, right? 
And that number coincides with the number in which you will board the plane. You and all of the other passengers will board the plane. And so there's, there's always this fascinating moment about 20, 25 minutes before the flight when uh, all 200, couple hundred people have to come to grips with the number in which they've been assigned and have to sort themselves in the right order in order to board the plane. And it's obviously better when you're like near the front of the line so you can board the plane first, right? You had this experience. And so if you, if you get to be near the front of the lane, if you, if you have one of the earlier numbers, then you get to board the plane first. You get to pick out your seat first. You get to store your carry-ons first. You get to find a seat and adjust the air and get yourself all comfortable first. And if you happen to be one of the people who boards the plane first, then you might choose to sit near the front of the plane so that when the flight is over, you get to leave the plane first. Right? You might, you might, if you're one of the people who boards the plane first, you might find you know, a, a, a seat with a little more leg room because you want the little added extra comfort that comes with, with the extra leg room. You might like to sit on the window and see whatever it is that you may be flying past. Or you may be the kind of person that you board the plane first and when you do, you find that aisle seat and you put your earbuds in and you close your eyes and pretend to be asleep. And you do that, if you've ever seen this, so that the people who didn't board the plane first won't try and sit in the row next to you. That's, if you board the plane first, you get to experience all of these, all of these different things. And this is one of those moments where even like normal, normally kind, generous, sacrificial people kind of can change a little bit, right? Because, because there's something in all of us that makes each of us want to be first, and it may show up in some of these like, times when you're boarding a plane. It may show up in other areas of your life because we live in a me-first world. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah? We live in a me-first world. We drive me-first. We merge me-first on 435. We, we wait in lines me-first. We talk on the phone me-first. We, we talk to customer service me-first. All sorts of things in our life where we kind of live in this mere me-first world. Now, when Jesus showed up, and Jesus didn't live a me-first life. In fact, Jesus turned this around, and, and he lived a you-first life. You think about that phrase, you-first. You, you know, it's a phrase that you may hear, you may toss around every now and then. It's kind of this social courtesy, this polite kind of thing, manner, that, that when you're walking into a building, you may open up the door and say, hey, you, you know, you-first. Or if you're ordering food, you're out to lunch with someone, and you say, hey, you-first. You and for Jesus... Being you first wasn't just a social courtesy that he pulled out every now and then. This was the entire manner in which he lived his life. That instead of being me first, Jesus lived this you first life. And it's also a way that he invites his followers to live as well. He says, hey, in this me first world, I want you to give up being first. And instead, I want you to do what I do. I want you to live a you first life. And it shows up sometimes in this teaching. We're going to look at one passage in the book of Mark. Mark, one of the guys who's capturing the life and the ministry of Jesus. And he tells us in Mark 10 about this scene where Jesus and the fellows, the 12 fellows that, that uh, were disciples of Jesus, were going to Jerusalem. And Mark writes for us. He says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now let me just pause there for a second. This is kind of an interesting way to make an ask. <laughs> you know, this is, this is my, even my kids know, this isn't how you ask. If you have any hope of actually getting what it is you're asking for, this is probably the worst possible way to come in, right? Uh, they might need to take a lesson from some people on you know, how to make a pitch. Like, you're not going to come in and say, we want you to do whatever you want. If my kids came and say, hey, we want you to take us wherever we want to eat, I'm going to say no. 
They say, hey, I want you, we want you to take us to whatever store we want so we could buy whatever we want, whenever we want. And I'm going to say, no, that's probably not going to work. And so uh, these guys, though, they just come right out and say it. And Jesus kind of, he plays their game. He just entertains them. He says, okay, well, what is it that you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And James and John, they replied, they said, well, let one of us sit at your right hand and, others, and the other at the left hand in glory. So what's happening here, you know, they make this bold request. They've heard Jesus talking about this kingdom that he came to build. And they say, we've, we've heard about this kingdom. We know you're going to be king of this kingdom. That's great. That's your spot. We don't want to take that from you. But we want to be next. We want to sit next to you in this kingdom. We want to have those honored chairs, thrones that are right next to you. So we can have a slice of that, that prominence, that prestige, that power. We want, to be, we want to be there. If your kingdom, Jesus, were a Southwest Airlines plane, we want to board first. This is what they're saying. Right? Now, uh, the other guys... The other 10 guys that, that were walking around with Jesus, they catch wind of this request that James and John make of Jesus. And Mark tells us that they're not too happy with James and John. It tells us that we're, they are actually indignant, that they were so angry with, with James and John. And we don't necessarily know why. It could be that James and they were like, this is absurd. This is not the way that you ask for things. This is not what you ask and it's not the way that you do it. And so they were just so frustrated that James and John would do it this way. Or maybe, I think, they were upset because James and John thought of this first. And they got to Jesus first. And they asked, they took advantage of being first to ask that they would be first. And the other guys are now realizing, oh shoot, we should have been the ones, we should have beat them to it so that we could be first in the kingdom. Says so now for this whole eternal kingdom or whatever it is that Jesus is talking about, we're gonna be down the line. We're gonna be getting on the plane last. And so they start having this big argument and, and Jesus takes advantage of this argument and in typical Jesus fashion, he just kind of walks through the middle of it and uses it as an opportunity to teach these things a thing or two about the greatness <laughs> that they so desire. And this is what Jesus says. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. He takes the kind of the power structures of their day and he says, you've seen these guys and they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Now, What's happened in this passage, there's a little bit of irony because as Mark is laying out these, these, these stories for us, he's kind of telling a bigger story. And, and right before this big argument happens on the road, uh, Jesus has been teaching the disciples. And what he shares with them he says, is he says, hey, we're headed to Jerusalem. And I want you to know that once we get to Jerusalem, uh, some stuff's going to go down. It's going to get pretty real pretty quick. And I'm going to be handed over to the authorities and I'm going to suffer greatly and I'm going to die. And uh, that's right before James and John show up and make a request of Jesus. So it's kind of like, you know, Jesus tells them the sad news. And what James and John do is they're like, cool, cool, cool. So how about that kingdom? Can we sit next to you when you rise in glory? And Jesus just uses it to say, let's talk about glory. Let's talk about greatness. And he says, you see all of these power structures around you and, and you see 
that all of these people use their position to make themselves first, that, that they're, you're used to watching these people run out ahead, ahead of everyone else as fast as they can so that they can push others down so that they can raise themselves up. But not so with you. Not so with my followers. He says, I want you to make yourself last so that you can make others first. And this is what greatness is, Jesus says. It's not what the world, how the world operates. This is how it operates in my kingdom. That the great ones make themselves last so that they can make others first. Here's the big principle that Jesus has given them and us. He says, make it your first priority to be last. Make it your first priority to be last, which is the complete opposite way that we go about things. Jesus, Jesus kind of gives them this head scratcher. He flips greatness on its head and he says true greatness, true honor, True joy, we could say, isn't found by being at the front of the line or at the top of the heap. It's not about how high you ascend. It's about how low you descend. He says true greatness and honor and joy is about making yourself last, not about being first. And this doesn't jive with our world's understanding of greatness. But I want to like, just consider for a second, if we were to take this principle of making ourselves last so that we can make others first, making our, our first priority being last, just think about how this would change things. Think about the tensions in the relationships that you experience, the tensions between coworkers, the tensions between roommates, the tensions between siblings. Think about how those tensions could be resolved or even just lessened a little bit if we would live out this principle of, of putting others first. Think about the conflicts that exist in the world. Think about the conflicts that exist in your workplace. Think about the conflicts that exist between siblings. Think about, think about the, the conflicts that exist within society, between in politics, political conflict, even global conflict. The way that those things would change and could be resolved just by living out this one principle that Jesus taught so many, so many uh, uh, hundreds and th uh, thousands of years ago to make it your first priority to be last. Think about the way that this could breathe life into a marriage. If we would make ourselves last so that we could make our spouse first. And so Jesus says, do this, put others first. And before the disciples even have a chance to ask him, okay, so how are we going to do that? Jesus tells them, he says, for even the son of man, even me, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus the only one who truly deserved to be first used his position to serve others. And what Jesus wants his followers to know, what he wants you and me to know is that serving, that when we do things on behalf of others with no expectation of anything in return, that this is how we make ourselves last so that we can make others first. Now we know that. We've We've heard this before. This is nothing new for us, right? We know this. We, we try to do this. This isn't, this isn't a struggle, right? Not a lot, maybe. Maybe it's kind of a struggle. Okay, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Of course it's a struggle. It's a struggle for you. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for all of us. Can anyone in this room say that this is a struggle? Okay, good. This side, struggle. This side, not so much a struggle. Anyone over here? Okay, good, good. 
yes, the Chiefs aren't playing today. We already won, okay? So we don't have anything to be nervous about. Uh, so yeah, this is a struggle for all of us. In fact, I think we struggle with serving. With what I just said, I think we struggle a few different ways. Here's, and here they are. Maybe you identify with one of these things. We don't serve. <laughs> like maybe that's our struggle, is that we don't serve. Now, this could be you. It's probably not, okay? I, uh, because, you know, there was that thing. There was that thing that you, that you served at. There was that, that person who was in the parking lot and they needed a jump and you lent him a hand. There was, there was that person that you, you kind of stayed and you helped. There was the thing that your company organized and it was the community service day and you showed up and you rolled up your sleeves and, and it was great and, and you all made a difference. There was the Saturday morning that you gave up to, to help with the, th there was something. There have been multiple somethings, I'm sure, in your life that you have helped with. There was the time that you finally, after the 12th email from the league commissioner of your, of your kids' little league league asking for coaches, you finally said, fine, you know what, I'm going to do it. And if you coach a little league t-ball team, that should give you some serving points for a while. I'll be the first to say that, all right? You've done it. So maybe your struggle isn't so much that you serve, but we serve sparingly. That's the second struggle that we have, that we serve sparingly, kind of sporadically, that it's, it's not so much that, that, that we're not serving, it's just the, the time and the ways in which we do serve. And Jesus kind of presses on this a little bit, that, that he says there's a difference between serving sparingly and serving sacrificially. See, serving sparingly, this is when we serve in the times and the ways that it suits us. It suits our schedules. It suits the amount of energy that we want to be able to give to something. It suits our schedules. It suits our comfort levels. And, and these, aren't, these aren't bad times to serve, but Jesus is saying everyone, everyone does that. The whole world at some point will do that. But my followers, the, the people who carry my name into this world, you're, you're different. I don't want you to serve sparingly. I want you to serve Sacrificially, we're going to talk why here in a little in a little bit. But um, Jesus knew that serving sparingly was was something that uh, these guys kind of were still struggling with. Uh, this whole idea of serving and putting others first, and and why this is so important. And so a little bit later, after they get to Jerusalem, they're having dinner, and there's a scene that happens. Jesus is sitting at the meal, and it tells us that he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Maybe you've heard this story before. And if you have, then you know the immense contrast of, of Jesus who's being you know, the most important, special, powerful person in the room, all of a sudden lowering himself to that of a servant. Physically lowering himself in posture to that of a servant. You may have you know, seen this before, but there's one detail that sometimes we miss that John, one of Jesus' followers who recorded this scene for us, he catches for us. And it's this right here, that when Jesus got up from the meal, he took, out, he took off his outer clothing. And what's happening here is Jesus isn't just like removing a sport coat or a jacket or something so that he could kind of you know, get ready to get his hands in the water and wash the feet of the disciples, that Jesus' outer garment would have actually been his, his rabbi clothes, that it was his, uh, a, a special shawl that he would wear that was draped over his shoulders, that as he walked around, this would be a symbol to the people around him of the position that he had. This was a symbol of the power that he held, of the status that belonged to him. And so when he gets up from the table, he takes the symbol of that power and he takes it off. 
and he sets that power aside and he replaces it with a servant's towel tied around his waist. And we think about that. And we think about this idea of, of serving sacrificially and not just sporadically. It makes me wonder, what are the things that you and I have to take off in order to serve sacrificially? What are the things that, that, that we hold on to that keep us from doing any more than just serving maybe sporadically here and there or reactively or just when we kind of feel like we need to check a box? And it could be that there's some achievement or some accomplishment in our life that have earned us a special status, whether it's in our, in our company or our workplace or, or society even, that there's something that we've accomplished for ourselves that we're, that we're pretty proud of and we, sh and we should be because there was a, hard, a lot of hard work that went into that. And are we willing to take that off so that we could serve more sacrificially? It could be that there's some, some comfort that we need to be able to take off, that there's some some roles that we've been given or that we've earned, that there's some privilege or some security that we need to admit, you know what, that's, that's there. And I'm gonna be willing to set that aside so that I can serve more sacrificially the people around me. What is it for you? This could be something worth thinking about this week, is what is it that I need to take off so that I could serve the people around me more sacrificially? But maybe for you, your struggle isn't so much serving sporadically or even serving at all, but maybe it's something else because, because honestly, if you were to look at your life and if anyone were to look at your life, there's no shortage of serving that's happening. You know, if that's you, you could be a parent and you knew that, that the serving, that, that when you became a parent, when you had this child, that there was going to be a great deal of serving, that all of a sudden you were going to become a lot less important in this world, but now you're realizing just how much so. If you're a single parent, this could be especially true that the amount of responsibilities that have fallen to you has doubled. Or maybe you're someone who's caring for a, for a sick spouse or an aging parent yourself. And so uh, you are serving and there's no, there's no shortage of serving that's happening in your life. But what your struggle is, is that your service is joyless that you're serving and it's joyless. Maybe you're serving, but it's only out of guilt. Maybe it's, maybe it's to avoid guilt. Maybe it's, because, maybe it's that you don't feel joy when you serve, but you feel even a little bit of resentment when you do it. Or maybe what you feel is just flat out exhaustion. And those moments of joy are few and far between. And your struggle is not do I serve more because the last thing that you need, if this is you, is for me to stand up here and tell you that you need to serve more because that has become so much of your life. But what do we do with that? I think whatever our struggle is, whether it's serving, serving sporadically, or serving but just not experiencing the joy that we're saying happens when we serve, I think it all comes back to at least one thing. One thing that we can begin with to help us restore the joy or feel the joy of what happens when we serve. See, see, when we don't serve or when we're not willing to serve more or when we serve, but it's just kind of joyless in the way that we serve, I think it's because we forget, we lose sight of what happens when we serve. We forget all that God does when we make ourselves last so that we can put others first. And here's, here's the big thing that as I've learned, as I've watched, as I've been served by people and been able to serve others, here's what I think we need to hold on to, keep our eyes focused on, that this is why serving matters. Serving shows people that they matter to God. Serving shows people that they matter to God. Just take the first part of this, even if you're not into the, the God thing or you're here just kind of checking that, that part out. Serving shows people that they matter. You've experienced this. 
and the ways that people have served you, that, that when someone has served you, they're, they're telling you, you know what, you matter. You matter more than you think you matter. You matter so much that I'm willing to give up things that matter to me because you matter. I'm willing to give up the time that matters to me, the, the money, the comfort, the schedule that matters to me because you matter more to me than these things. This is, this is the friend who helped you move apartments and gave up a Saturday and they're saying, you know what? You matter to me more than the things that I could be using this Saturday for. This is, this is the coworker who stayed after late at work and helped you on that project and they, said, they were saying to you, you know what? Your success matters more to me than the time that I could spend doing other things. Your success might matter to me more than my own success. Because serving is one of the simplest ways for us to be able to affirm the worth of other people around us. Serving shows people that they matter to us, but they also matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. Isn't this why Jesus came? Because there was a world that needed to know that it mattered to God? The world that didn't even believe maybe that they mattered to God. And so Jesus came and, and what did he do? He came not to be served, but to serve. To give up everything for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Remember that? So that you and I could know just how much we matter to God. Serving shows people that they matter to God. And we believe this so deeply at Heartland. If there is a difference that this church has made in its beautiful history, it's because of people who live this principle out, that they, that they make others first, that they show people that these people matter by serving. And they do this in their neighborhoods, they do this in their kids' schools, they do this in our communities, they do this in their, in their workplaces, they do this even in different corners of the world. And they especially do this right here at Heartland. And I want you to get to see the story, watch the story of someone who through his serving, through the step that he took, God was able to use him to show people just how much they matter. Let's watch this video together. You know, went through a, a challenging time uh, in my life, uh, early 90s. And when I uh, uh, came to Heartland, um, went to the bookstore, and I uh, bought this Bible. It was a men's Bible. And studied it and read it more than I had done in my life. Uh, and during that time, you know, it was, and it's interesting how, you know, I, I didn't want any scratches on it. I didn't want any torn pages. I didn't want any uh, page edges or whatever. But as time went on, and particularly with the children's ministry, the, you know, it's, it was a, a tool to, for, for development for myself and for the, the kids as we went through. And so they were the ones that started this. Underneath, it's kind of like wallpaper here, but underneath, the, we originally had like file folder name tags that we all filled out over on Lamar. And so it just kind of layers after layers after layers over the years that have come up. You know, there wasn't necessarily a, 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 a a specific purpose. It just kind of happened, you know, as an expression uh, of uh, sharing. And the kids could share also. 
uh, you know, it was uh, something that they enjoyed, you know, putting their name tags on there because they had a choice and opportunity to do that. And so, uh, you know, it was just, uh, what would I say, a little uh, opportunity for uh, uh, connection and joy with the kids uh, at that, even at that point. So as small as it is, you know, it, uh, it's a fulfilling. Personally, it's privilege to have the opportunity to share the time. And sharing time, of course, is, the, is, the, is it. Because we can't make time, you know, we can't you know, save it over here, we can't buy more time. I mean, the time is the time. So you have it, and then you have an opportunity to choose, you know, how you, uh, you use your time. You know, these names, they start here, and you can't read these ones back in here, but they're there, okay? It's real. Those times shared uh, are real. And so, um, you know, it, it's just an appreciation for having that opportunity is, um, at times, you know, it can, it, it's kind of like a wave. It can just wash right over the top of you as far as, um, uh, you know, how cool it is, you know? And not to say there aren't times of, um, uh, you know, chaos, you know, where, you know, we're called to uh, provide a, a little bit of structure and guidance you know, in my business, we have, we channel our products out to different, you know, markets and whatever. And so uh, what has happened is I have uh, been uh, touched, you know, my eyes opened or enlightened or whatever that, that I can be uh, used as a channel for these kids. And um, that it's, I, and I never came in that way. Didn't think about it that way. I came, okay, I'm gonna come and, you know, help out a little bit and uh, get a check mark, so to speak. I, uh, but it's so much more than that. And as time e has evolved, then uh, that appreciation gets, becomes uh, understood. And uh, those insights, uh, you know, become part of me. And, and I'm very thankful for that. And, and the, the sense of process, because today's today and, you know, this Sunday will be another Sunday, and so some of the same uh, boys will be here, but there may be some new ones. And so we just go on to the next one, you know, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a, a very joyful opportunity that I appreciate very much. Serving is a very joyful opportunity. I love that. I love Scott's story. We actually filmed this a couple years ago, but he's, he's still at it, making space for kids to realize how much they matter to God. But he's able to experience that joy because we're able to experience that joy when we remember what it is that God does through our serving, that it shows people how much they matter to God. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, you know, Brad, yeah, this is good. I, I, I got some stuff to, to think about here. You know what? I'm going to empty both halves of the dishwasher for my spouse from now on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's big. Uh, you know what? I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking about some of the ways that I can kind of lend a hand to the people around. You know that thing that Craig was talking about next week, the, the thrift drive? You know, I'm going to go find some stuff. I want to help those people. I want to let them know how much they matter. And, and I'm going to bring some stuff in a couple weeks so that we can, we can make a difference. Let's do this. And, and if this is what you're thinking, I love it. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm so glad you are. And I want you to continue doing that. We need to start where we are. 
and begin finding those ways to serve. But there's one more thing that I want, one more step that I want us to take. And it's something that I want all of us to do together because we have an opportunity as a church to do this together. An opportunity to show way more people than you can imagine just how much they matter to God. And so there's one step that I, that I want you to take. And I know even as I say this, I'm the kind of guy that, that even, even though I'm a pastor of a church, when, when the, the people on stage give us in the seats things to do, I'm like, nope, not gonna do that. Just to show you I don't have to, you know. It's like, you know, when the worship leader wants you to put your arms up or something, or the pastor is telling you they want you to do something or fill out something, you're like, nope. <laughs> you know, anyone else? Just me? Okay. So I know that. So I'm one of you. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. On the QR code, there's a, there's a QR code on the chair somewhere in front of you. If you're here in the front row or you're watching online, we've got it up on the screen. I want you to take out your phone. You're not doing it yet. I want you to take out your phone. Trust me, you're not doing anything. I just want you to look at something, okay? Gosh, people, just come with me. I'm like, it's okay. We're like, um, I just want you to look at something. I'll tell you why here in a second. I want you to take, the, if you've never done the QR thing, you just open up your camera, someone next to you might be able to help you, and just click on that link that pops up. Here's the other reason I want you to do it, is there is a QR code somewhere in this room, I don't know where, one that will take you to a $100 gift certificate for a restaurant, one of the best, tastiest restaurants in Kansas City, and we want to make sure that someone finds that. That's a total lie, okay? That's, <laughs> I'm just willing to do whatever I can because here's, here's why. On that link, you're gonna see some of the areas that people around Heartland are making themselves last so that they can make others first. You're just looking at a list right there if you scroll down of some of the areas, some of the ways that people's purposes and passions and giftings are, are coming alive as they, as they step into these areas to be able to help other people experience how much they matter to God. And you can too. And so I, I lied again. I don't want you just to look at this. I'd love for you to fill this out. And I'll tell you what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is if you just fill this out and you mark a couple of things that interest you, then this week one of our serving coaches will reach out and you're not committing to anything. You're just saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn more about some of these things that kind of jumped out at me and see if there's a place where I can serve and where it makes sense. And, and that's a great next step for us to take. And here's why this is so important. I love, I love that as long as, 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 long as I've even known about Heartland before being in, even being one of these pastors, I knew that Heartland has, had a reputation of being one of the easiest churches in all of Kansas City to come to. And I hope that that's true of our church now. I hope it continues to be true of our church because I think we don't need any more obstacles in this world that will get in the way of God's love in people, amen? And so we're here to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to experience the love of God. And so I hope that we continue to be this church where people can easily come in. But I hope that we become an even easier church for people to connect at because that's where God does most of the work in our lives. And serving connects us. Serving, very practically, it connects us to people that when we serve, we get to find people. We might even find our own people that, that as much as we love the comfort of not being known, and we do, I do, what we most need is to be known. We need to be connected and supported by those around us. One of the church's first pastors, way back in the first century, Paul, writing to a group of churches, he says to them, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have a different work to do. So we belong to each other, 
and each needs all the others. That we aren't a we without you. That we are not complete without one another. That just as the body is made up of all these different parts, you and I play a part in the body of Christ, which is our church. That if my leg, if I were to put my leg in the corner of this room, it's not going to have the greatest experience of life detached from the rest of the body. And the rest of my body, sure, I could get around, but I wouldn't be moving very quickly. And it'd look a little awkward because what my body needs is the leg and what my leg needs is the body so that it can fulfill its purpose and my body can be able to to most fully go after its purpose. Because that's the other thing, serving, it connects us to our purpose, connects you to your purpose. Did you know you have a purpose? (laughs) Did you know that your purpose is not just to make it to tomorrow, to make it to the weekend, that your purpose is not just to make money, or even your purpose is not just to make it to church? God tells us what our purpose is. Paul, again, to some churches in the first century, he says that it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, before any of us were here, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others others. That the purpose that you and I have is to be helping others. And I love that, I mean, I kind of hate it, but I love that Paul says we should spend these lives. He doesn't say spend a season of your life. He challenges us. He doesn't say spend some day down in your life. He says spend your life. Now, here's the thing. Serving will look differently in the different seasons of your life. That's okay. God knows that. So Paul just gives us this vision. He says, our purpose is to be helping one another, to be seeing the needs and the lives of the people around us, those we know, and even those that we don't know, and helping meet them in those needs so that they know that they matter to God. See, serving also, it connects us to needs. That if it weren't for people who were helping other people, that there would be needs in this world and in our lives that would go unmet. That there are problems that would not be solved without people stepping And so I I just want to, for those of you, if you find yourself saying, you know what, I love Heartland. I love this church. I love what I experience. I love these worship services. I love love the atrium. I love the coffee that I get to drink. I love what my kids get to experience right now. I love our, our students and what they experience on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I love that this is a church that has a heart for our local community, that we want to make a difference, that we want to be a church that if we were missing from our community, our community would miss us. If you love Heartland, if you find yourself feeling any, any of that, do you know why? Do you know what it is that you love? Do you know how all of this happens? It's because of the people, the hundreds of people who make it their first priority to be last. It's Holly who's running the slides right now and loves that I just called her out because of it. You know, it's Marvin over in, Marlon over in the, the, the hub just to help make sure people experience the hospitality of, of Heartland. It's, it's Dwayne on Wednesday nights in our high school ministry to make sure that these students have a place to process life. It's, it's, it's so many of our kids' volunteers that are helping them see Jesus on their level. It's Kevin who organized yet another Harvester's food drive on Sunday and all of those of you who, who rolled up your sleeves and helped to make sure that people in our community didn't have to experience any more hunger than they already do. This church has made a difference in this world. It's because of these quiet heroes who are meeting the needs of people around them. And if you look at that list... Every single one of those things represents a need. It represents a problem that we want to step in and be a part of God doing his thing in. 
And you may have some experience in those things. You may have some gifting. You may even have a passion for some of those things. And that's, that's helpful to find the right spot. Or you just may have a realization that, you know what? I don't have much experience with this, but this matters to me. I want to make sure that this need gets done. I don't want this need to go unmet. And even that kind of conviction, I think God steps in and gives us joy when we help meet those needs in those different areas. Here's the other thing. That serving connects you to the joy that Jesus has in you. Serving connects you to the joy that Jesus has in you. Because I think sometimes we go through life and we don't fully realize the amount of joy that Jesus has in you. And there's nothing that we need to do to experience, to be loved by God. But sometimes we struggle to know it and feel it, right? I remember early in my own journey of following Christ, I was talking with someone who was a little bit further down the road than me and I was like, you know what? I just, I, I'm just having a hard time experiencing the love of God. I mean, I, I, know, I, I know he does, I, I think I know he does, but for whatever reason, I'm just not really experiencing all that much. And he, in that moment, this guy could have looked at me and he could have pulled out a bunch of different scriptures that would tell me just how loved I was and he would have been right. And he could have given me a, a list of worship songs and say, hey, just go listen to this and just, and just marvel at who God is and what he has lavished upon you. And, and that would have let me know. But he knew me and he knew where I was at in my journey. And he said, he gave me a much more challenging step. I kind of hated him for it. He said, well, how are you serving? And he wasn't giving me another thing to do to earn the love of God. But he was giving me a way to experience the love of God. That he was saying, when you serve, you're opening something in yourself to experience the joy that Jesus has in you. Because when we serve, not only are we helping other people see how God sees them, we're not, not only are we helping other people know how loved they are God, by God, not only are we helping them know that they matter to God, but God is using that serving to help you know just how much you matter to him. That's what happens when we serve. This is the opportunity that we have to do together. Now, why does, why does this matter? See, I, this is one of those sermons where I really hope we don't just go like, yeah, that was great. That was, man, that's fun. I'm going to think about some things. I, I really hope that we take a step collectively with this. And here's why. Because there are people that will cross your path this week who need to know that they matter to God. There are people who will walk into this building this week who need to know that they matter to God. There are kids and there are students who will gather in these spaces this year who need to know that they matter to God. There are neighbors who may have never darkened the door of a church, but they may walk in here randomly this week to see if there's a church who cares. And they need to know that they matter to God. And we, the church, have an opportunity to let them know that they matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. They matter to you. They matter to me. So this week, we begin the journey of making it our first priority to be last. And serving is how we show people just how much they matter to God. So if we can help you along the way, if this is a first step for you, if this is a re-up for you, if you need to think about some of the ways that you can make this a reality in your life, reach out to us. Use that form. Let us know. Show up at midweek on Wednesday night where we sit at tables and we wrestle through this together and no one perfect is allowed in there. So there's no shame. But we'd love to do this together to do it with you. So as we go out into our week, let's stand. Let me pray for us as we do.
So Jesus, I thank you for what you did for us. I thank you for the way that you came into this world so that we would know, this world would know just how much we matter to God. God, we live at a time where it's not gonna be a billboard on the side of a road or a poster at the end of an end zone that's gonna convince people just how much they matter to you. Maybe that offer, that might offer a little nudge, but it won't make the difference of us serving the people around us to be your message of love to the people that you bring across our path. And so help us to find those opportunities, God. Help us to experience the joy. If there are people who are right now who are sensing the step to accelerate, to elevate the serving in their life, God, give them the wisdom to know how to do so well. Lord, if there are those of us here who, who have lost the joy in all of the ways that they are serving, whether it's in their family, in our church, in their community, God, would you restore that joy? And would you do so by helping us see what you do through our serving, that in our serving, you use us to show this world just how much they matter to you. And so because of that, we want to be a serving people, a people who are willing to give up being first so that others can be, because that's what you did for us. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. Have a wonderful and blessed week. We'll see you next week.